Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala abadihi alladhi nastafa amma ba'd Fa'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Am lahum alihatun tamna'uhum min dunina Sadaqallahu al-azim Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin Wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammadin Wa barik wa sallim Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin Wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammadin Wa barik wa sallim Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim. Can you guys turn these lights on? <clears throat> All praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for guiding us, for granting us iman, for sending so many, showering so many of His mercies and blessings upon us. And we send peace and blessings upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his family and his progeny and his companions and his wives and all those that follow them in their ways. MashaAllah, we continue with the Mihrab Foundation Sacred Knowledge class on the 99 beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This week we arrive at the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Mani'ah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, أَمْ لَهُمْ آلِهَةٌ تَمْنَعُهُمْ مِن دُونِنَا That there is, there is not for them a deity that would protect them or prevent them other than us. Meaning other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and other than ourselves. So mani has a number of meanings. The way that, uh, so it has basically to understand it as far as a, as a name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to bring together these different meanings. So the root word, which is man, mim, nun, ayn, is the opposite of granting, right? So the opposite of granting something, which means to prevent something. To stop something, to to be a barrier, and it also means to protect. So almane means the one who prevents, and it also means the one who protects. So how do we understand both of these concepts within this one name? Is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala averts harm from His creation? So He averts harm from His creation, meaning what? He prevents harm from coming to His creation. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. Meaning that He counters the causes of destruction and diminishment of religious and temporal affairs. So He does this by creating causes for protection. So when there are harms, when there are things that will bring about our destruction, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates causes that will protect us. So for example, there are sicknesses and also there are the medicines and there are those things to protect us against those sicknesses. So Allah ta'ala protects and prevents us from those things that would harm us. Now, Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he says that this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is similar to Hafid. So Hafid, which was done some time ago, uh, which means the preserver. And we'll, we'll go back, we'll visit that, just to mention a couple of points. Imam Ghazali, re- regarding Al-Hafid, he mentioned that it is the perfect preserver. So he said that Allah Most High is the preserver of the heavens and the earth, the angels and the existing things, whether they last a long time or not, as with animals, plants, and the rest. Um, sorry, he said that uh, to, to understand that he's the perfect preserver, we have to understand preservation. And that is understood in two ways. So the first is what we just mentioned, perpetuating the existence of existing things and sustaining them, the opposite of which is annihilation. And then Allah the Most High, he preserves everything, the heavens and the earth, whether they will last for a long time, whether they will last for a short time. The second way to understand preservation is 
which is more evident of the two, consists in preserving by safeguarding from each other those things which are inimical uh, to or at odds with each other. So what I mean by this is mutual enmity between fire and water. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He preserves things which are at enmity, which are opposites to each other. Uh, and we discussed when we did Jami' that He is the one that combines and brings together. That Allah Ta'ala brings opposites together and allows them, sustains them in such a way that they exist. They coexist in the same place at the same time. So our bodies have dryness and moisture at the same exact time. Right? Uh, <clears throat> So he mentioned those things about the preserver. Now, coming back to uh, Al-Mani', Imam Ghazali says that the preserving relates to being free from destruction. To be completely free from destruction, that is what preserving relates to. Whereas protecting relates to the causes of destruction. Uh, and preserving is the ultimate goal, right? So there is something that can cause us harm. And when the harm is there in front of us, then we need to be protected from it. Whereas preserving is a step beyond that. And that is the ultimate goal of protecting, which is to remove us from the destruction altogether. Okay? So he says that every preserver is a protector, but not every protector is a preserver. Every preserver, everything that preserves also protects. But not necessarily everything that protects preserves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has both of these names. Right? So what was the difference? That protecting is in relation to that thing which causes our destruction, Preserving is to be completely removed from the destruction altogether. So the ulama write that we, we, we have wishes and desires, we plan, we put forth our will and we act. But the fruition of whatever we desired in our planning is dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is dependent upon al-wahhab. Allah ta'ala is al-wahhab, so it is dependent on Him bestowing whatever it is that we desire to us. So they say that at times al-mani' prevents us from attaining the object. Al-khabir is well aware of our wishes. And al-ghani has infinite treasures containing what we wish. And al-kareem gives us what we wish. And al-qadir is, uh, is able to procure it immediately. Right? So we have a desire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-qadir. Meaning he is able to give it to us immediately. He is al-kareem and so he gives us generously. He is al-ghani which means... He is the one who is independent, right? So he has infinite treasures, and so he is able to give us from those infinite treasures. He is khabir, meaning he is, he is well informed, he already knows what we desire, but at times he is al-mani' and he stops us, he prevents us from attaining the object that we desire. And so if we do not receive, then what does that mean? If we do not receive, it is not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not know how, it's not because he doesn't have it, it's not because Allah Ta'ala cannot afford it. It is not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unable to give it. Rather, we might not know why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not give us something that we want. But we put our faith in the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-wakil. So we put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whatever He has decreed is what is best for us. That that is what is best for us. Because in holding back, in holding back might actually be uh, in holding back, that might comprise of giving. So giving, the concept of giving to us, might be hidden in the larger nature, in the larger idea that Allah Ta'ala held back from us. And vice versa. Allah Ta'ala might give us, but in, and we think that it is Him giving us what we want, we think that it is good for us, and within that might be hidden the concept of something being held back from us. And so for example, like a parent. A parent 
when their child wants something, sometimes parents give them, sometimes parents don't give them. And the child thinks, what's the big deal? They might, I might want this toy, I might want this piece of candy, I might want to go somewhere and they're not letting me. It's not going to cause me any harm. right? So this oftentimes you think about those families where you have parents that might be a little bit more strict versus those families that the parents are not as strict. And so the ones that are, the, the children of the families that come from more conservative, strict family, they might think, oh, you know, I want to go to this party, I want to go to this gathering, I want to go to whatever event, and my parents aren't letting me. See, I wish I could be like those other kids. I wish I could be like my friends. Their parents let them go wherever they want, whenever they want, let them come back at any time, and my parents are so stern on me. In that thinking, we, th- we, we think that the people whose parents are allowing them to do whatever, see, their, their parents are giving them. They are allowing them to do everything. But in that might be hidden what? Some harm to them. Whereas our parents are not outwardly giving us and allowing us to do things, right? Or if you take it to a greater level, the Sharia itself might prohibit us from doing certain things. And we think that, by, we, think that we are being uh, oppressed or suppressed by not being allowed to do certain things in the Sharia. Whereas in reality, Allah Ta'ala has hidden in that holding back and not allowing us to do something. He has, he has uh, uh, put within that concept, He has put the actual idea that we are benefiting. You know, and we can see, like we talk about, you know, so much there's talk about freedom, freedom to do whatever we want. And it's funny, when you look at, when you look at this country, for example, in much of the world, you have uh, conservatives and you have liberals. And if you really study what's happening, the conservatives are becoming way too extreme in their conservatism, and the liberals are becoming way too extreme in their freedoms. And what's happening? They're both reacting to each other, becoming more extreme, becoming more uh, conservative, more restrictive because of what the liberals are doing, and the liberals then are reacting and becoming more extreme in their, uh, uh, in their freedoms, quote-unquote. Whereas Islam is the middle way, we have to have a balance. We cannot be extreme in, our, in being conservative, nor can we be extreme in being liberal. Because if you, if you look, for example, uh, you know, the idea of being liberal, look at how much harm is actually coming to society. You basically can do whatever you want at the expense of anyone. And now the, the line between what is freedom of speech and what is hate speech, for example, in our context, is being diminished, Right? That people who want to use hate speech, they say, well, it's my freedom of speech. How can you stop me? And the, on the, the counter to that is what? The opposition to that says, well, you can't provoke somebody, right? Um, and so we have to realize that the Sharia, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained for us, uh, outwardly, it might seem like one thing. It might seem like we're being restricted, but really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making an opening for us, right? And look at, so for example, look at alcohol. I mean, how much, you know, ask an alcoholic... How free is he from his alcohol? He's completely dependent upon it, right? Somebody who's addicted to something, they're completely dependent upon it. They're not free from that thing. And so we should be careful and remember this, this idea when, uh, when it comes to different things that the Sharia allows and does not allow, right? Don't consider it to be restrictive. And know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of Rasulullah is the middle way. And if practiced, that's why I don't, it's not, it's not you know, when people start becoming more religious, then those around them might tell them, you know, don't become too religious, don't become too extreme. And I, I take offense to that, that don't become too religious because you'll become extreme. I think the more religious you become, the more balanced you'll become. Because the more you realize that how wasi was Rasulullah how vast and, and um, inclusive was Rasulullah 
that he made a way for so many people to come together with him. And he was the middle way. He was not extreme one way or the other. So uh, one idea of religiosity, people when they first start becoming religious, they start, usually you'll see, you'll see less tolerance and more sort of extremism in them. The more they learn and the more they become equipped with the knowledge of the sunnah of Rasulullah the more they start realizing the middle way. They start realizing uh, where the boundaries are. They start realizing that in certain instances, you can be a little bit more open to things. And in certain instances, it's better to be a little bit more you know, conservative to certain things. And that's what the sunnah actually does. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in Surah Al-Baqarah that, وَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ That perhaps you dislike a thing and it is good for you. وَعَسَىٰ أَن تُحِبُّ شَيْئًا And perhaps you love a thing. وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ But it is bad for you. وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows, whilst you do not know. And so, the ulama who write about the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they mention that we should protect ourselves as well as those around us from harmful things, even though they might be in the form of, thing, of attractive things. So this is sort of in line with you know, how Imam Ghazali goes, constantly gives a counsel, like what is our share? How can we take benefit and inculcate this name into our life? So we should try to protect ourselves and we should try to protect those around us from harmful things. And recognize that just as there is the hadith, of, uh, the hadith that mentions that uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He surrounded Jahannam with shahwat. With, 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 with an adornment and beautiful things. And the shayateen make it beautiful to us, right? They make Jahannam beautiful to us. They, they beautify it. And it is surrounded with those things that are desirous to us. Meaning if we, if we give into our nufus, our lower selves, in every, in every aspect and everything that we want, that's eventually going to take us down to the path of Jahannam. Whereas Jannah is surrounded with Submitting ourselves to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Islam does not mean peace. It comes from, yes, it has the same root word, salam, uh, which means peace. But Islam actually means to submit. And so we will have that peace of our soul, our heart, and our mind by submitting to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to submitting to the obedience and disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning the, the, the uh, obligations and the prohibitions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put for us. That by o- being obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is where we will find peace. You know, don't be fooled by people and don't let them hijack the word when they say Islam means submit, so they're going to force us to submit to them. That's not what is meant. <laughs> okay? Because la ikraha fid deen, there is no compulsion in religion. Is it correct that salam is like also like saved? Yeah, there's also, there's also those, uh, you have those nuances. Um, which I, I think we discussed those when we did uh, Salam, the name Salam. And so <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect the hearts of those who are obedient and close to Him. So if we go into this proximity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we, are, we live our lives, in accor- our lives in accordance to the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being al-mani' He will protect our hearts from those things which cause us harm. So our hearts will, you'll start getting a sense of like, you know, this just, this isn't the temperament of Sharia. You know, sometimes you don't have a definitive answer about something, but you'll get a notion that there's, this is not uh, the, according to the temperament of Sharia, or maybe it's allowed, but it's not, you know, entirely appropriate, right? Uh, and so you shy away from it then. You know what I mean? Uh, but this is, this is a state that takes, to achieve this state takes a lot of effort on ourselves. A lot of effort that we have to put on ourselves and, and on our nafs. 
Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on, or Imam Uzayi rahimullah, he goes on to two names which he brings together and those that have done other works on the 99 names, they bring these two names together, Ad-Dar and An-Nafi'. So Ad-Dar means the punisher, the one who punishes, and An-Nafi' means the one who benefits. So the reason these two names are brought together is because they sort of, uh, one might think that they contradict each other. Right? How can the, the same person be the one who punishes, be the one who gives benefit? We can understand, again, going back to like parents and children. Parents discipline their child, form of punishment, but then they also provide them all types of uh, benefit as well, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Qur'an, now, these two names are not mentioned in the Qur'an, but they are alluded to throughout many different verses. And through the hadith of Rasulullah regarding the nine names, that's where we uh, understand that these are two of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ad-Dar is uh, the punisher, and Nafi' is the one who benefits. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah, Surah Yunus, قُلْ لَا أَمْلِكُ لِنَفْسِي ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ That say, I have no control over, over harming myself nor benefiting myself, except what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has wished. لِكُلِّ أُمَّةٍ أَجَلٍ That for every nation there is an appointed time. إِذَا جَاءَ أَجَلُهُمْ فَلَا يَسْتَأْخِرُونَ سَعَةً وَلَا يَسْتَقْدِمُونَ And when, the, when their appointed time comes, then they will not be able to uh, delay that moment, nor will they be able to bring it forward. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Araf, That say, I have no ability to benefit myself, nor to harm myself, except what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has wished. وَلَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبَ لَأَسْتَكْثَرْتُ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ that if I knew, if I had knowledge of the unseen, if I knew of the unseen, I would have amassed a great amount of good for myself. And uh, harm would not have afflicted me. Uh, and I am only a warner and a giver of glad tidings to, the na- to those who believe, to the believing people. So these two verses amongst others allude to this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I have no ability to benefit myself nor bring any harm to myself. So if we do not have the ability to do it, that means others don't have. I mean, if you can't benefit or harm yourself, that means others cannot benefit or harm you either. So benefit and harm only comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Good and evil, benefit and harm are all created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We've referenced the Hadith of Jibreel many, many, many times throughout the, you know, the history of this class. Uh, usually we talk about the beginning of it. What is Islam? What is Iman? What is Ihsan? Later on in the hadith, uh, later on in the hadith, Imam uh, the the uh, Rasulullah mentions that, uh, or sorry, um, yeah, in the hadith also Rasulullah we usually focus on the la, the you know in the beginning iman Islam ihsan we usually focus on the ihsan part for the purpose of this class, but during the throughout the in uh, in the hadith Rasulullah says also that uh, our belief is that we. Uh, our belief is that we, uh, what's it called? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who creates good and He's the one that creates evil. So in Islam, we do not have this dualistic idea that Allah ta'ala creates good and you know, shaitan creates evil. Or that evil is this other force that is competing against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when something bad happens, then you know, evil has gotten the upper hand on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's where, that's where most people falter. That they'll question, oh, if there was a God, then, you know, why is all this suffering happening in the world? As though, like, Allah Ta'ala is not in control of it. Uh, 
So no, good and bad, everything, good and evil, benefit and harm, all of it is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why these two names are typically mentioned together. So Imam Uzayi says that one thing might be, a, might be poison for one, yet medicine for another, right? Or as we say, one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? <laughs> so you, these things might be uh, a harm and benefit, might exist in the same thing at the same time, but differently for different people. So the same thing might cause harm to one person, might benefit another person. For example, uh, eating nuts, there's a lot of benefit in that, right? But for some people, it'll kill them because they're allergic to it. And so he mentions that it is not food or drink or angels or men or kings or soldiers of, uh, of, of shaitan that harm or benefit, right? That those things, all of those things are simply a means of harm or benefit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that is creating that harm and He is the one that is creating that benefit. They are a means that are subservient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a story of Musa al-Islam that is mentioned uh, wherein he got sick. Some say it was a toothache. But he got some type of sickness. And so he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cure him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, go to this tree, take this herb and apply it. So he applies the herb and he's cured. And then he uh, suffers pain from this toothache again. And he goes to the herb and he applies it and the pain increases. The first time it cured him, the second time it increases, it worsens. So he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, didn't you tell me to go to this herb? But now it's causing me pain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him that first you came to me and then I instructed you. This time you went straight to the herb. Is a lesson for us that we have to put our trust and we have to recognize and have our belief that Allah ta'ala is the one that cures. The medicine does not cure by itself. Allah ta'ala is the one that cures. And so this was a lesson that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to show us. Also we have to recognize that every single person is a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything in this world is a servant of Allah. Whether it be for good or whether it be for evil. Right? We have the will and the intellect to decide what path we want to be used for. Allah ta'ala has given us the will and the intellect to recognize good and recognize bad. He's put the teachings of Rasulullah and Islam in front of us to, so that we recognize what is good and what is bad. Now we have a choice. Do I want to be, uh, be used for good? Do I want to be used for bad? The amount of good that we might be used for, that is through the acceptance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's many people that can bring benefit. Right? So for example, there's many scholars, right? So for, you know, nothing will benefit us more than knowledge, sacred knowledge. And there's many scholars who have a great amount of knowledge. To what level does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept them for that work? Meaning how many people does He allow to benefit from that individual? Acceptance is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we have to do is put in the effort of, of being used for good. That's, what, that's where our choice is. Right? So the same way He says that nothing, is, nothing acts on its own. Right? Going back to the last point, we also have to recognize that people who are causing us harm, they're also the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has put good and He has put uh, harm. They have chosen to act uh, in the way of harm, to be used for harm. But we also have to recognize that if Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala protects us as Al-Mani, if He protects us from that harm, then they will not be able to harm us. So he says that everyone is a servant, everything is a servant of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. They are subservient as a means to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala is the one that causes it and creates it. So the same way that a pen is subservient to the writer, but he says, in popular belief. That's what Imam Wazali says. So if we read this, he says, Take the case of a sultan. When he decrees reward or punishment, 
One does not regard that benefit or harm as coming from the pen, but from that to which the pen is subservient, and the other means and causes perform in a similar way. We said in popular belief, because ignorant people consider the pen subservient to the writer, but knowledgeable ones understand that it is subservient to the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning, not the literal hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because Allah ta'ala is beyond these things, but uh, to the will and decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, transcendent is He, and that He is the one to whom the writer is, is subservient. Right? So it's a side note that he mentioned that recognize that when a ruler gives a ruling, uh, the pen, the, by way of his decree, is subservient to him. But in reality, the pen is subservient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that individual is also subservient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if Allah ta'ala did not want that decree to happen, if he did not allow that decree to happen, it would not have come to pass. Right? Like similar decrees around us that have been barred for the time being, right? <laughs> and he says that if we understand this regarding animate objects, regarding those things that have an intellect and a free will, then it'll be all the more obvious regarding inanimate objects. So it goes on that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses difficulty and pain as a means of educating His servants. So if, if there was no negative thing in this world, if there was nothing disturbing and if there was no pain in this world, then people would not have been granted, they would not have gained beneficial states and lofty positions such as patience, perseverance, bravery, and steadfastness. If pain and suffering was not there, we could not, we could not have attained the lofty status of being those that are patient. And this is something that is in a great amount of reward. So Allah Ta'ala has put these things there so that we can strive to please Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as well. That is one of the reasons Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in, in Surah Anbiya, Kullu nafsin maut, That every person shall taste death. وَنَبْلُوكُمْ بِالشَّرِّ وَالْخَيْرِ فِتْنَةٌ And Allah subhanahu And we have tested you with, patient, with, with harms, with bad and with good. We have put bad and good in front of you. Fitnatun as a... Fitnatun as a... What's it called? As a tribulation. وَإِلَيْنَا تُرْجَعُونَ And to us, you will be returned. So we have put these things for in front of you as a test. And you will be returned to us. So know that it is a test. Go down the path of goodness because you will come to us. You will be brought back to us. Now, the ulama mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is constantly showering down His blessings and those things that will benefit us in this world. Constantly, it is, He is sending down His rahmah into this world. We have to simply be present. We have to make ourselves present to that mercy. We have to open our eyes. We have to open our, our minds. We have to open our hands. We have to open our hearts. We have to be aware and conscious of the mercy that is coming down. We have to go towards it. When there is benefit coming down, we have to seek it out, we have to find it, and we have to go towards it so that we can take, uh, take benefit from that. So for example, every gathering where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being sent down more. The angels, there are angels of mercy that travel, that traverse the earth, looking for gatherings where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being remembered. And these are angels of mercy, and they come and they sit and they take part in the gathering as well. Right? So for example, gatherings like this or any other gathering where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being mentioned, they come and they look for it. And they, and that mercy enters into our hearts. In a hadith uh, that comes in, uh, in Tirmidhi, it's been mentioned that Rasulullah once told Ibn Abbas anhuma, that uh, uh, bear in mind that if all the nation gathers to benefit you in anything, they will not be able to do so except in what he has already allotted for you. And if they all gather together to harm you in any way, they will never be able to do so except if he has already decreed it upon you. So if the whole world gathered against us, 
they could not cause us harm unless Allah Ta'ala allowed. And if the whole world gathered to benefit us, they could not protect us unless Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala allowed it. Right, so you look at, for example, what happened in Sham recently in Syria. You know, I mean, like people were, you know, most, most of you guys probably saw, people were going on their Facebooks and whatnot and Twitters and they were literally giving their goodbyes to their families and their friends. They were like, this is it, we're cornered, we're going to die. And many of them did. But to a great extent, thousands upon thousands of them who thought they were going to die did not actually die. Allah Ta'ala actually removed them from that environment and saved them. And they're still suffering a lot and a lot needs to be done for them. But they thought they were going to die when they were cornered against such a powerful uh, army and yet they were protect protected. Like, I mean, I've heard estimates of like 60, 70, 100,000 people, right? Uh, were in that, were cornered and they, they survived, you know? So Allah Ta'ala, although some harm, a great amount of harm did come to them, but Allah Ta'ala saved them from that as well. Now, when it comes to this concept, this idea that nothing harms nor benefits except by the will of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, what we should do is attribute all goodness to Allah and attribute all evil to us. So for example, Allah Ta'ala says in uh, Surah An-Nisa, مَا أَصَابَكَ مِنْ حَسَنَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ That whatever, whatever uh, uh, comes to you, whatever touches you from goodness, then that is from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. وَمَا أَصَابَكَ مِنْ سَيِّئَةٍ فَمِنْ نَفْسِكَ And whatever afflicts you from harm, that is from yourself. So how does that correlate now to what we've been saying that harm and good, all of it is from Allah? One understanding, this doesn't contradict, one is, one understanding is that goodness, obviously, in the same way, Allah Ta'ala is the one that provided you with that goodness. But when evil afflicts you, it is from yourself, meaning it is a result of your actions. It is because of our disobedience, our ingratitude, uh, our sins, that evil afflicted us. However, that's not the only meaning. So we shouldn't say that, oh, see, this verse tells us that anytime someone is harmed, it's because they sinned. No, because we also know that it is a test, as was mentioned previously, right? Uh, that we have tested you with evil and with goodness as a tribulation. So, recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes He just puts harm in front of us so that He can reward us even more through our patience as a test that we'll, are we going to continue to be uh, uh, grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala doesn't, He already knows, He already knows but this is sort of a, a, so that it will be a testimony for ourselves, that we know how we would have acted, right? So that on the day of judgment, we cannot stand there before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, Ya Allah, you didn't allow me to act. I would have done differently. No, our actions have already spoken for the way that we, uh, for, for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us. Now this etiquette, this is an etiquette that we have to have, that we should have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Attribute all good to Allah and attribute evil to ourselves. Don't say, oh, I'm suffering. Allah, you're the one that's making me suffer. Now, we shouldn't say that. That is ingratitude. So we take from the lesson of Surah Al-Kahf. That Khidr salam, he, he said what? That أَمَّا السَّفِينَةُ فَكَانَتْ لِمَسَاكِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ فِي الْبَحَرِ فَأَرَدْتُ أَنْ أَعِيبَهَا He said what? That as for the ship, so you guys know the generally the story in Surah Al-Kahf, uh, that Musa salam goes to Khidr salam and, and he goes, uh, and Khidr salam does a few things that Musa salam doesn't understand. And he keeps, you know, because Musa salam always wanted uh, justice. So he's asking, like, this doesn't look like justice. Going back to the concept of what? Sometimes 
what looks to be good in front of us might actually be harm, and what looks to be something harmful might actually be good. So he's constantly questioning Khidr al that why are you doing this? So Khidr al now answers, Amma Safina, he says, as for the ship, that what, the ship that I put a, he put a hole in the ship, right? He says that as for the ship, that ship belonged to the masakin, to the destitute, and they used to work in the seas with it, right? They used to, whatever, transport people, different things that they used to do by the water. an aibaha. So I intended to bring some defect to it. I intended it. Not Allah Ta'ala intended it. Even though Allah Ta'ala is the one that told him to do it. He says, I intended it. Because he's saying that there's a defect that, I, that was put into the ship, so he's attributing that defect to his own doing. So why did he do it? He did it because when there was an oppressive ruler that would come and he would steal their ships and now they, these people would have no means of providing and earning an income. So he put a hole in the ship. When the ruler came and saw it, or his people came and saw it, they said, oh, this is defective. I don't want this ship. And now that individual was able to uh, continue on with his work. A couple of verses later, he says, وَأَمَّا الْجِدَارُ That as for the wall. وَأَمَّا الْجِدَارُ فَكَانَ لِغُلَامَيْنِ يَتِيمَيْنِ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ As for the wall that there, there was, there were two uh, young orphans in the city. وَكَانَ تَحْتَهُ كَنْزٌ لَهُمَا And uh, uh, beneath it, there was a treasure. There was some treasure beneath that wall for those two orphaned children. وَكَانَ أَبُوهُمَا صَالِحًا And their father was a righteous person. فَأَرَادَ رَبُّكَ أَن يَبْلُغَ أَشُدَّهُمَا وَيَسْتَخْرِجَ كَنْزَهُمَا رَحْمًا And so your Lord intended that they reach maturity and then they take out the treasure that was beneath it as a mercy مِن رَبِّك مِن رَبِّك as a mercy from your Lord وَمَا فَعَلْتُهُ عَنْ أَمْرِي And I did not act out of my own accord. So what, when he is speaking about the defect, he says, I did it. But when he's speaking about the good, even though Khidr al was the means for that, he attributes that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that is the, that is the, uh, uh, the etiquette that we are to have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and Imam Uzzali rahimullah, uh, he actually ended long before, but other books mention uh, some of these other uh, points that we are to take. That know that all benefit and all harm comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing can harm us, nothing can benefit us except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that willed it. And that we should not become ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we put our trust, He is Al-Wakil, right? We put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that there is some benefit in here for us. This does not mean that we think that Allah ta'ala is uh, obligated to only do what is best for us, right? That is not the case. That was the way of the Mu'tazila before, that is a sect that has died off. That's what they used to think. Allah Ta'ala is obligated to do what is good for you. We say, no, Allah Ta'ala is not obligated to it. But when something is decreed, when it happens, well, we trust that it was best for us, that there is some wisdom in it, even if we are not able to see that wisdom. And then like that, we remain grateful to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala and we continue acting in the way Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala wishes. And we try to look, if something bad happens, we try and find some fault in ourselves that maybe I did something. Is there some sin that I'm committing? You know, that could be rectified. Um, so for example, if we are unable to uh, get up and make Fajr Salah despite our trying to, try and figure out what is it, maybe I'm doing something that is not pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and make tawbah and the removal of that, and ask Allah ta'ala to manifest it to yourself. And that if, we, you know, if it becomes manifest and I make tawbah from it, perhaps that would be a removal then from that, that, that would remove that barrier that prevents us from doing that good. Right? We cannot be people that say, oh, Allah Ta'ala is the one that controls, so I didn't get up for Fajr. Alright, well, Allah Ta'ala didn't will me to get up for Fajr. If He wanted me to pray, I would have prayed. That's foolishness. Right? This, is, this, is, this is a misunderstanding 
of, of the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Do have any questions? Uh, yeah, hafidh is more uh, is yeah is a is a wider is a wider range of it. Um, so that's why we mentioned that. Uh, uh, what do we say? That the preserver preserving every preserver is a protector, but not every protector preserves, right? Because preservation relates to complete removal from destruction, whereas protector relates to when destruction is in front of us. So that's when the attribute of protection comes, right? Yeah. Hafiz, uh, ha, fa, ya, va. I can write. You want me to write it on the board? Yes, so the, the sign for that to try to recognize that is this a punishment for me or is this a test for me? And this question usually comes up when there's some natural disaster happening in a place, right? Because when some disaster comes down, then uh, everyone's affected, right? Those who are disobedient and those who, who are obedient. So it's not that every single person that was affected was because, of their, was a, because it was a punishment to them. So some of the, one of the signs to recognize that is this a test for me or is this because of something bad that I've done is see how you act after the fact. Are you continuing in your obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If you are continuing to be obedient to Him, still being grateful, still doing your, fulfilling your obligations, then you can say, well, that test was a, uh, that was a test for me. And if, it, if you turn away and, and get angry at Allah ta'ala, then that is a sign that it was a punishment for you. So the only way you can see is after the fact, right? Uh, and, you know, sometimes, like, slips happen, right? Sometimes we are pushed to a limit of, like, you know, and we think, like, why is Allah Ta'ala doing this to me? So we should go back to the point of Sira when Rasulullah was in Ta'if and he made that, you know, he was, he was thrown out of Ta'if and he said that this was the most difficult day for me in my life. And he went to the orchard and he made a dua that, Oh Allah, I complain to you only of my inability. He was humble, right? Only of my inability. Um, and if you are not angry with me, it goes on, it's a beautiful dua, but he says eventually that if you are not angry with me, right? he says that who would you leave me to? To those people who, who would, who would you know, turn against me and would not care for me and this and that. And he goes on, he says that um, uh, if you are not angry with me, then I have no care what happens. You know, do whatever you want. But, he says what after? He says, but the way of 
Afia, the way of goodness is more accommodating to me. So you can see like the etiquette that Rasulullah SAW had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So you can, I mean, you can say, I mean, even in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the messengers and those that were with them were tested to such an extent that they asked that when will the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala come? Right? They were pushed so much that even the messengers were asked, were, were, would question that when is the help of Allah going to come? Right? Um, but that does not mean that you are angry with Allah. That, oh, why are you doing this to me? Right? Say, so, Ya Allah, you are testing me. Um, but, you know, uh, and recognize also Allah Ta'ala has said that He is not going to burden a person more than they can bear. He said that in the Quran. So, uh, we remember all of these things, remind us ourselves of these things, and just ask Allah Ta'ala to remove us from the difficulty and the suffering and the harm. Right? And that Allah Ta'ala always allow us to act in the way that is pleasing to Him. Right? But that's one of the signs. So, continue being obedient to Him. Right? It doesn't mean that if you get stressed out, you're not like obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Stress is a real thing. I mean, the stronger your iman is, the less stress you'll have, the better you'll be able to deal with stress. Right? But, but like, I'm not negating the idea of like mental health and disabilities and stuff like that. Right? That's not, you know, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. You guys had an event about that recently too, right? There's a program. So, so I'm not negating that, right? Those things are there. Like, your stress, if, so, you know, like Sheikh Hamza Yusuf mentioned once that if you're, if you're, if, you're not, if you're stressed, that means you're not making enough dhikr. So if you're making dhikr, it strengthens your heart and protects you from being stressed out. But that doesn't mean that stress is not a real thing, right? And it doesn't mean, so it doesn't mean that if you are afflicted or you, have, so you go into a state of depression, for example, it doesn't mean that, oh, just make dhikr and you'll come out of it. Like you might have to go through some clinical processes, but you should couple that with dhikr and, and whatnot as well to better help you come out of it. You know, so like the lack of uh, uh, nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might have put you into that situation. But now that you're afflicted with that, you, you know, you might have to use the clinical means to come out, to help you come out of it, along with increasing your iman and putting your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and whatnot as well, right? So both, both need to be used. Like the story of Musa alayhi salam, he turned to Allah and he used the means that Allah ta'ala put in front of him. So, right, like we say dawa and dua, right? Medicine and dua. Any other questions? It could be, right? It could be. Uh, it's a possibility. It could be their trial. I mean, it depends on what it is and whatnot, right? Sometimes a person's mental health, like, depending on what they're afflicted with, they might not, um, it, it, they might be excused. Yeah, right? They might be excused from, from their actions as far as Sharia is concerned. You know what I mean? So, um, it could be a test for them, it could be a test for their parents, it could be a test for those around them, you know, yeah, definitely could be a test for them. You know, that's why like you, you'll see that when it comes to the ahkam, the rulings of sharia, constantly what's mentioned is, this is obligatory upon those who are, who are baligh and aqil. Aqil meaning they are not insane, meaning they do not have some mental disability that would stop them from being able to differentiate between good and harm and, and whatnot. They can, they can actually like you apply their mind and, and have a good understanding of some situation, right? Yeah. Is there a study? To, is there any study, like by the ulama, that that like looks into that to what extent what There's so there's actually in Chicago, I believe, the uh, Khalil Center. Um, the brother that runs it, he has he studied a few years, like formally, um, and he has. Uh, it's it's basically like they they talk about mental health. That's what they focus on. And I think I don't know if he's like a psychologist or he's some clinician or something like that. Uh, and then two of the board members are are a couple of my teachers as well, Sheikh Hamza Chaudhry 
or Sheikh Hamza Makbul, uh, and Sheikh Bilal Ansari, both who I gave you guys names to call for your conference, <laughs> right? They're both on the board of that as well. Um, so they do a lot of that. I've actually been wanting to call them uh, up to Seattle to do some program about mental health and Islam and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, Khalil Center, they do, they do, they focus on that. Right. right. Any other questions? Kafirin. Ya Allah, forgive us of our sins, our major sins, our minor sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the tawfiq of living our lives in accordance with your sharia, in accordance with the sunnah of Rasulullah and in those ways that are pleasing to you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, humble us, Ya Allah. Always make us those that are pleasing to you, Ya Allah. Surround us with people who please you, Ya Allah. Grant us a life that is pleasing to you, a death that is pleasing to you, and raise us on Yawm Al-Qiyamah with those that have pleased you. Ya Allah, let us recognize your attributes, Ya Allah. Let us love you and let us love Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Ya Allah, you love us and let Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam love us. And let us act in accordance with his sunnah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, protect and bless our parents, our teachers, and our mashayikh, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the best of this world and the best of the akhirah. And raise us on the, with the highest levels of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And grant us, grant us the privilege of drinking from the hawdul kawthar that you have promised to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And grant us a place under your perfect and supreme shade on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذ منه نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأنت المستعان وليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين سأكمل خيرا